Good morning, Grace Point. This morning uh, is a somber remembrance. Memorial Day weekend is a somber remembrance of those who were lost, giving up their lives, fighting for our freedom. And so today, as a church, we want to honor those men and women who have died serving our country, fighting our nation's wars. And so today, if you have a loved one who was lost while in active duty, a father, a mother, grandfather, a grandmother, a uncle, a sister, a brother, or just simply somebody close to you. We want to thank you and them today for our sacrifice. And, uh, and I want us just as a church just to thank those who have sacrificed for us this Memorial Day weekend. Would you just give them a round of applause, uh, those around you, but also those who have passed away fighting for the freedoms that we have in this country. Later on today, uh, we, we don't just want to celebrate them. We also want to celebrate Jesus today. That's why we're here. Uh, and we'll remember that Jesus gave his life for us as we take communion together later in our service. But know, even as you think about Jesus today, and be reminded by the sacrifices that they made, but also the sacrifice that he made, that greater love has no man than this, and that a man would lay down his life for his friends or for his fellow man. Today, in remembering those who fought for us, we don't seek as a church to bring more glory and honor to men than we do to our God, but we do seek to encourage those who lived their lives like Jesus, giving themselves sacrificially for one another. And today, man, I'll tell you, this, this for me is kind of the start of, uh, of summer today. Anybody excited about starting summer? Anybody excited about that? Hey, we, we all excited. A lot of you guys, some of y'all got out of school this week. Uh, some of you guys, y'all had an opportunity to uh, uh, maybe get out of school, you seniors, like a week or two before, but maybe you started summer already. I don't know. But maybe you think of it as the start in June. I don't know. I don't know when you think about when summer starts. But for me, it's kind of officially today, Memorial Day weekend's kind of always a weekend where I feel like the summer begins. And as we seek to know Jesus today and and all through our study of John, we're going to continue really all this summer through our study of John. We need to remember that Jesus is doing what we see him doing in the passage of scripture that we look at today. He's doing these things for us. He's teaching us things. He's showing us things. He's strategically living for us. He is showing us things about his life so that we may learn to live like him and so that we may learn to use our summer and our fall and spring and winter and every other time for him. We're going to continue to see what Jesus did for us. But before we do that, uh, in just a, just a little bit, um, I got to just thinking about, just again, how precious it is, some of the joys that we have in this life. Uh, we got a chance to watch my kindergartner graduate kindergarten. Uh, that's Presley up there behind me. Uh, she went to kindergarten graduation, and they did the whole deal. They put them in like these white, I don't know what you call those, like gowns, I guess, or whatever, and they had the caps and gowns. That's what you call those, all right? And uh, and uh, had the little tassel, you know, and everything. And and I was sitting there, and I was, uh, you know, I knew, okay, this is our last kindergartner. We've gone through this now four times. And so I knew, all right, I, there's a chance that... Uh, uh, this guy right here might get a little emotional, all right? I just knew that was probably going to happen just as I was there. But uh, it was kind of funny, you know, and it always hits you at a place where you don't expect it to hit you, you know, a lot of times. And as the, the, the kids, I think it was about 70 or so of them all standing up there uh, singing, and they were singing some songs for us about wiggly teeth and uh, some other things, you know, whatever all the things kindergartners think about. Uh, they were singing uh, at our school, uh, I May Never March in the, y'all know this song? Infantry, they go ride in the... Shoot the R. There you go. And, and I may never fly or the, but I'm in the, 
Lord's army. Good job. Just make sure y'all, y'all, it's good to remember what you used to do. All right. Right. So, so as they were singing all of that, or as they were going through all that, I'm in the Lord's army somewhere in the middle of that song. That's what hit me. And, then, and I began to think about the privilege it was even just to be there in that room this week, uh, uh, watching my kindergartner graduate. And, uh, maybe just somewhere in the middle of that ceremony, I think I started thinking about some of the events of this last week. I began to think about parents of fourth graders in Uvalde, Texas, who didn't get to watch their kids move on to fifth grade this week like I did my daughter. Somewhere in the middle of that ceremony, I was glad that I'm a guy who doesn't wear makeup. (laughs) I hope you guys are glad that I'm a guy that doesn't wear makeup too. (laughs) I think I meant to say that I was glad I was a guy and didn't wear makeup. That's what I meant to say, sorry. But I had a at a full heart, because I remembered this week what a precious thing it is to have family, to have friendships, and to know my God, to know that my God wants to work in those relationships in my family, and in those friendships, and in my church. I was once again just thankful for the precious moments that we have as followers of Jesus, as family, as church family, precious moments that we have as we get a chance to help others Get to know Jesus. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. That's why we're here every single Sunday. It is not just for you. You're hearing things and we're teaching things because we want you to know, just like Jesus tells us, you're going to see this all through the book of John, all right? What we see is he picks the first disciples here today in John 1 was not just for them. And we're an evidence of that even in this room today, that what Jesus wanted them to know was not just for them. That's what we're doing here each Sunday. That's why we meet, because we want you to know that God is for you, not against you, but we also want people out there to know that God is not against them, that he is for them, and they're only gonna know that through us. We want you to know, first and foremost, that you can know him, and that he wants you, and that he wants you to know him regardless of what you've done. He went to the cross, not so you can know about him even, but so that you could truly know him as closely as I know my kids and my wife, even closer. All the things that I was feeling this week, just thinking about my kids, he wants you to know you can know him even closer than that. So Father knows a child. He wants us to know we can trust him. That he is for us. In fact, scripture is clear that if you're somebody who is hearing about Jesus, getting to know about Jesus, learning to follow Jesus, that that is as much God's doing as it is yours because he desires to chase after you. He desires, all right, to run, all right, to you. Sometimes I think we think too often because of our individualistic culture, this is just kind of all about me and whatever I decide. And if I decide to go to church, that's good or not good or whatever. If I decide to get closer to God, that's just kind of up to me and that's up to them. And, and we just think this is an individualistic thing. But I want you to know, listen, this whole thing is not just up to you. Um, because God gave you free will, you're halfway correct. <laughs> but because of God's sovereignty, We must also acknowledge that God chases after us, invades our space, gives us the opportunity to choose more of him. Without Jesus dying for us, without the Holy Spirit, there would be no choosing him at all. A new relationship always has a two-way street, right? If you want to build a good and healthy relationship with somebody else and somebody has to do the selecting, that's God, but somebody has to be willing to move once selected, that's us. So today we're going to look at some of the first men that we see Jesus select 
to follow him while he was on this planet. And even as I say that word select, some of you guys might start to cringe just a little bit. You're like, oh, I don't know about this, all right? But I want you to remember what we studied last week from John 1.12. Even as we talk about this today, we just covered this last week. John 1.12 says, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to be the children of God, to be the sons and daughters of God. So if there's anybody in here today trying to say, trying to, maybe it's just even the devil trying to tell you, you know what, God didn't choose you. God wouldn't choose you. I just want you to remember today that God so loved the world is what scripture teaches us. Every single person on this planet, he so loved the world that he gave his only son for us, that whoever believes in him doesn't have to perish. We can have everlasting life. Don't forget that we have verses like that. We have verses like Romans 10, 13 that says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be, y'all fill it in, saved. Romans 10, 13. There's no ambiguity about that verse. So I believe that anybody who wants to seek after, chase after God, that God is chasing after you as well. The question is, do you choose him? Have you chosen him? And do you want him to choose you? There's never a place in the Bible where someone, as James says, draws close to God that he doesn't in return draw close to them. So as we look at the choosing, the selection, if you will, today of the first disciples, I want you to see some things here uh, that maybe normally as you read through, if you read through John 1, you just kind of read these things, you just kind of skip over them really quick. I want to look at some of the first men that God in the form of Jesus, all right, as, as the son of man and son of God all at the same time who Jesus was. Look at some of the first things that he does as he selects the people who would follow him. Look with me at John 1, starting in verse 35 as we finish out chapter 1 today. This is what it says in verse 35. It says the following day, so we had the first day, that was John 1, all right, uh, and here's the second day, all right, so this is kind of the, the second day that we're following um, what Jesus does and seeing what he's going to do next, all right, so second day. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples, and Jesus enters the scene here, verse 36, as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there's the Lamb of God. And when John's two disciples heard this, they stopped following John, and they began to follow Jesus. Now, this morning, we're going to look at some guys. We're going to look at Philip and Nathaniel and Peter and Andrew, some of these guys. We talk about Simon Peter a lot. Uh, we don't talk about Andrew or Philip or Nathaniel as much, but we're going to look at all of them, the first four disciples that were chosen by Jesus. But before we even look at th those guys, I want us to look back here this morning at John the Baptist just for a second. And by the way, you guys know there were no Baptists 2,000 years ago, right? All right, there were no Baptists. All right, John was not a Baptist, all right? He was John the Baptizer, all right? That's what this means right here. So that's more correct. He was not a Baptist, but there's some interesting things that we do learn about John. Uh, other than that, all right, John lives out in the woods. I always think of the wilderness, like from Nacho Libre, all right? You know, whatever. Like he's from the wilderness, all right? So uh, this is John, all right? Uh, John is like Mountain Man Jack, all right, right here. In fact, I got to think about what's the best picture I could put up of what this guy potentially looked like. Y'all see if y'all know this guy. Anybody ever seen this guy before? All right. Uh, Grizzly Adams, all right? That's just what pops in my head. Some of you guys are like, who's Grizzly Adams? Hey, 
it was before I was born too. All right. So, uh, but uh, that's him. All right. That's him right there. Uh, this is a guy who could kill bears with his bare hands. Right. All right. Uh, this is, this is a, kind of a freaky guy. Honestly, we just are straight up. Uh, he lives in the woods or the wilderness, right? That's John. And it says in one of the accounts that he wears clothes made of camel's hair with a big leather belt. All right. I, I don't know if he killed the camels. I don't know how this worked. All right. I don't know. Like, how do you get camel's hair? I don't know what happens here. All right. But, but somehow that's, that's how he's dressed. All right. Uh, and I just get this picture. All right? I know, and I'm going to get to heaven one day. I just, I know I'm going to meet this guy and he's going to have a big seventies fro. All right. And he's just Afro, you know, whatever. And, and he's going to have a disheveled beard and a crooked smile. And there's going to be this freaky look in his eyes. Right. And, uh, and then, and then we see also in scripture, his diet, his diet consisted of locusts and honey. Have you guys heard that before? Locusts and honey. Uh, can you imagine moms, right, as you guys go to lunch today, hey kids, what do you want to eat, you know? And they name burgers. And, no, 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 I think we're going to have locusts and honey today. That sound, doesn't that sound good, you know? We're going to eat some bugs and we're going to eat some honey. I mean, no wonder this guy is so crazy, right? All right, you, I mean, you can't get that kind of diet and raise a stable kid, right? You know, right there, you know, locusts and honey. I don't know if that was a normal thing that they ate back in the day or what, but uh, we, we kind of know maybe why this guy was a little off kilter. And then all of a sudden around the age of 30, John decides, I'm going to come out of the wilderness and I'm going to begin to preach. <laughs> and so naturally people are going to be very interested what this guy has to say. John, he's not afraid of anyone. There's been 400 years of silence. There hasn't been a prophet talking about the coming of the Messiah for 400 years, all right? A prophet hadn't been raised up, and they've been waiting to see if the Messiah was going to come and what in the world was going to happen. And then there's this sort of this, this bubbling anticipation to see what might happen. And then John comes out of the woods, and he says, here comes the Messiah. And the first thing we see right here, he says, look, there he is. There is the Lamb of God. Clearly, other people are paying attention to what this guy's doing because of how he looks, because of the message that he had. And of all people, God selects this guy to be the forerunner, the proclaimer, the announcer that Jesus has come. Again, you might say, well, you know, you could say this morning, God would never want to pick me for his work, for his army, or for his plan. I can never look like I have it all together. Let me just tell you something. This guy didn't look like he had it all together either. He's eating bugs, all right? If Jesus picked this guy to be his forerunner, to be the one who announced his arriving, I guarantee you today that he can use you for the purposes that he has for you. See, Jesus selects what we see in this, these first few verses. Jesus selects those who are willing to acknowledge him. What does John say? He says, look, there's the Lamb of God. Don't look at me. Look at him. When they ask him who he is, we looked at this last week. Are you a prophet? No. All right. Are you, uh, are you, are you the Messiah? No. Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. That is John's whole life. Don't even look at me and what I'm eating. Look at him. Why is God using John as a prophet here? Because John is the one telling people, look, there's the Lamb of God. Repent and follow him. The kingdom of heaven is now, and you have an opportunity to participate in it. John had chosen to make his whole life about acknowledging and pointing people to Jesus. Church, this summer, man, I want to challenge you to do something. Man, stop caring so much about what people think about you. And start remembering what it is that people need the most in this life from you. 
If we want God to use this, we have to be like John and that, we, that way we also have to be willing to allow him to use our lives more than he is now if we want to make a difference in somebody's, somebody else's life that's new. The word's been used for, for, for decades now, this word revival. Um, in our culture, it means like to go and meet in a tent a lot of times, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or to have like special days at your church or something like that. Do you know what a revival really is? A revival is you basically saying, God, I want to know you more. God, I want to be closer to you. A lot of times revival becomes, well, let's see how many people God saved. No, it's about the church saying, let's rise up, church, and do what God calls the church to do. So what is it? that God selects us to do. Leonard Ravenhill, he said this about revival. Leonard Ravenhill, one of my favorite uh, old-timey pastors, I guess, if you will, he said, listen, the only reason we don't have revival a lot of times is because we are willing to live without it. See, if God has said, put your faith, put more faith in me, and you keep trusting in yourself, your answers, your doubts, your intellect, you will not have a faith that changes you. But the question you have to ask is, am I okay with that? If God has said go and you don't go, you will never know what it feels like to be sent. Are you okay with that? If God has said disciple somebody else and you never learn how to disciple somebody else, are you okay with not going and making disciples? And the said, this is why we don't have a revival sometimes in our spirits because we're just fine to live in the same cycle of missing out on everything that Jesus has Force. If God says, repent, you don't repent, you'll never feel close to him like you want to. If God has said, be baptized, and you continue not to acknowledge the Lamb of God like John did here, by taking this first initial step, you'll never have bold faith in all the other areas of your life. See, God wants his presence, his walking beside us, like he does here in this passage, to greatly influence the way we live our lives. Here at Grace Point, we believe that one of the first steps of discipleship is the practice of selecting. The practice of asking people intentionally if they want to enter into the deeper, into a deeper relationship with us and with God. I used to meet with a guy um, at McDonald's. Uh, he'd get there at like 5 a.m. I'd get there uh, a lot later than that. All right. He was just like, that's what he'd do, like two or three days a week. He was a retired guy, uh, used to be a missionary. And uh, I remember sitting there at McDonald's with him. His name was Gary one time and just sitting there just talking to Gary. And Gary said, um, you know, one of the things that we don't do a lot of times in our churches anymore that we used to? We need to be better at tapping people on the shoulder and saying, you know what? I believe that God wants to use you to do something great. I believe God might be calling you to be a missionary. I believe God might be calling you to be a pastor. I believe God might be calling you to start a relationship with him today. It's the practice of selecting the practice of calling out the called, and God allows us to be a part of that. We'll see that more here in just a second, but we believe in this principle here at Grace, uh, Grace Point. Recently, we tapped several of our high school and college students on the shoulder and asked them, would you like to be a summer intern here with Grace Point? I I'm excited to tell you, we asked all of our high schoolers, gave them all an opportunity to be able to do that, uh, ninth graders all the way up through college students. Um, we have a bunch of, a bunch of them are volunteer. They're just going to come up here this summer, spend extra hours, all right, during the week here at Grace Point to help us get ready for VBS, to help us get ready for camp, to help us get ready for some of the events that we do, outreach events, to try to reach the community, make a difference in the community. They're going to come to staff meeting. They're going to get to see what that looks like. It's not really all that special. It's just the same people, all right, that you always see. But we're going to all get together, and we're going to pray together, and we're going to study the Word together. We're going to talk about what it looks like to invest more of your life in ministry 
than maybe you have so far with these students. So I want to put a picture up of them. These are our nine students who have said, hey, I want to be an intern here at Grace Point, either high school or college students this summer. Uh, they are Brady, Gabe, Isaac, Avi, Jess, Solomon, Elena, Lucas, and Reese. If you guys are in the room, would y'all stand just for a second really quick? I know several of them are right here. Avi's back there. I think they all came to this service. So there you go. So Thank you guys. Y'all can have a seat. But here's the thing, you guys. Here's why I wanted you guys to see them and see their pictures. Um, Isaac, where's Isaac at? Isaac, I just chose your picture. I hope that's okay. All right. So uh, uh, he's a baseball guy, so I think that's okay. But uh, you guys listen. We pray as a staff that we would get an opportunity to pour more into these students this summer and all of our students this summer as they consider what it looks like to willingly acknowledge Jesus more with their lives. We want to raise up leaders. We want to call out the called. We want to tap people on the shoulder and say, you know what? God's doing something in you, and I can't wait to see what he does next. I can't wait to just walk in the office one day and see, uh, uh, where's Gabe at? Is Gabe back there somewhere? There's the Gabe's in the back, all right? Gabe's probably running the video switcher. He's not, he can't even be in the room because he's in the other room running this room, all right? So, but um, you guys, I can't wait to walk in and just see Gabe and Paul Belunka just having a conversation together. That just looks, that's what I want to see. I can't wait to walk in and see uh, Dave getting to hang out with his granddaughter, Elena, up here at church, all right? A little bit more, you know? Like, that, that's going to be good. Why? Because when we rub shoulders with people intentionally to say, you know what, man, we see God doing something in you. There's something healthy in that. God can choose to use anyone who's willing to acknowledge him, doesn't matter how young or how old. I, I want to show you more about this, this idea of selection here that we see in scripture, that we see in God's heart for discipleship and for us to be a part of that process. Look in verse 40 with me. Uh, we'll see the first two disciples that are chosen here. Verse 40, it says, Andrew, not the Andrew in the back, all right, not, not Andrew Temple, all right, but uh, Andrew in the Bible, Andrew the disciple, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we found the Messiah, which means Christ. And then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas. I'm going to change your name, Simon, and now you're going to be called Peter. So... As we see kind of just, and again, these are just verses maybe typically you just kind of run through very quickly, maybe not look very deeply into these verses. It seems like maybe kind of history and just a few little things that happen here. I want us to look a little deeper here, though, into what Jesus does as he calls these first two disciples. And there's a question we have to ask ourselves here as we begin to see the selection of all four of these disciples. How did it happen? All right, is there anything we should catch from this? Does it still happen like this today? Does God still call people to follow him like this today? So we'll first start with Andrew. What do we learn here about Andrew? Andrew, he was following John. He was one of the guys, one of the disciples or followers of John, all right? And then when Jesus comes up and he starts walking by, all right, Jesus starts walking by, all right, John says, behold, the Lamb of God. And basically he's like, Andrew, that's him. We've been talking about this for months. That's him. He kind of probably nods his head to him. And they, he's, and you know, Andrew's been following John. John's like, look at that guy. And then Andrew's like, okay, here we go. And he begins to follow Jesus. Andrew was following John, but when he heard John say, follow this man, he heard what he said and followed. 
So side note, Jesus desires to call disciples to himself first and foremost that are teachable. People who listen, people who want to change the way they're going, the direction of their life. All right, we see right here, all right, that clearly, all right, John had had a huge influence over Andrew, but then all of a sudden Andrew's like, you know what? All right, John told me to go this way, so I'm going to go this way. So this, this guy, man, he was faithful, he was available, but most importantly, he was teachable. And then what's the next thing we learn about Andrew? Andrew, it says here in this passage, he goes and gets somebody else. And then we learn something else about Andrew. Andrew, this guy right here, he is not the cool brother, <laughs> okay? Anybody have any siblings in this room? All right, how many of you guys have siblings? How many of you guys like me, you are not the cool brother. One of your siblings is like the cool person, all right? You go. Some of you guys are like, no, I am, all right? So you keep your hand down, but uh, you know, I don't know. But uh, this guy in scripture, he is not the cool brother, all right? He's even known as Simon Peter's brother. That's how he's announced in scripture. If you have siblings, you know what this is like. We learn a few other things in scripture, though, about Andrew, but nothing like we learn about Peter. The beloved disciples ended up being Peter, James, and John. No Andrew typically mentioned there. But Andrew, Andrew, Andrew was the first disciple chosen by Jesus. Why? Because Jesus knew Andrew would help Peter into the process. Andrew would help Jesus in the process. He would go and he would get Peter. Man, can I tell you something this morning? Church, you know my biggest heart is for you? Y'all know this thing's been happening. Somebody telling somebody that tells somebody for thousands of years, right? All right, thousands of years. Somebody has told somebody about Jesus that's told somebody about Jesus that told somebody about Jesus and eventually it got to the person who told you about Jesus and it got to you. Can I just tell you something this morning? Listen, don't be the end of an incredible spiritual line. Don't be the end of an incredible spiritual legacy and lineage and heritage, all right? If Jesus has been passed to you, the question you should start asking is, who does God want me to pass Jesus on to? That's what Andrew does here with Peter. Don't be the end of the line, a lot of people have shared, passed on, and prayed for you to not be the last generation of your line. But a lot of times in our churches, man, we're so shallow because we think, all right, listen, this is all about me, and this is all about what I can learn, and we forget or we miss the fact that, no, 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 this is so much, and, and you're missing so much if you don't realize that this is really about you learning so that you can teach somebody else, so that you can pass this on to keep the spiritual line going to the next generation, and the next generation, and the next. Francis Chan, he puts it this way. He said, listen, in our day and time, a lot of times churches, we divide easily because we love shallowly. We divide easily because we love shallowly. And I want to tell you what I mean by that. We, and we need people who are not just willing to come to church, or even I think sometimes we think, well, I got them here. What, now what do I do? We need people who don't just come to church or, or bring others to church. That's a start, but we need people who are willing to say, hey, let's go to lunch after church and let's talk about our lives. I'll invest even more time with you. And you can't do that with everybody. You've got to select, all right? Who am I going to go hang out with at lunch? And am, am I realizing that God has a purpose in that lunch, all right? Not just we're just going to hang out ourselves with no purpose at all. I'll meet you for breakfast this week. I'll meet you for coffee. You can ask me anything about my life and I'll try to be open and honest with you. 
See, the army of God is simply a group of people willing to walk intentionally with others towards Jesus, not just to go to an event with them. I want to give you three types of relationships I believe God may call you to if you're going to be like Jesus this summer. You may want to write them down. We'll put them off the screen. You can take a picture of the screen if you want to. Three types of relationships. As Jesus, all right, listen, he selected disciples who were willing, right, to bring others to Jesus. Three different types of relationships God may call you to. The first one is the discipleship relationship. And I don't think a lot of times in our current church culture, we really even know what that means. And here's why I don't think that we mean that. I think a lot of you guys think that it, it, maybe it's kind of becoming more commonplace for pastors to say, well, I'm discipling my congregation. Can I just tell y'all something this morning? I don't think I'm discipling you right now. I'm teaching, I'm preaching, but I'm not discipling. I can't do that with a whole room of people. Discipleship is something that happens when I say, God, I believe that I'm, I'm being called, all right, to intentionally ask, intentionally invest, all right, intentionally get involved with, all right, maybe two people, maybe three, all right, other people's lives in, on a very intentional basis. And I believe God may be calling some of you guys to do that. This summer. Discipleship, a discipleship relationship is God calling you to intentionally invest in the life of somebody this summer. Who are you going to go and get? Who are you going to ask? This type of relationship, it's not meant to be 8, 10, 15, even 20 people like your grace group, but two or three others that God would call you to invest your life in this summer for the primary purpose of helping them learn eventually how to make a disciple as well. Listen, you could teach somebody something till you're blue in the face. If they don't want to go and teach it later, then listen, you didn't make a disciple. Making disciples is about making disciple makers and help somebody else know Jesus. They get so fired up about Jesus with you that then they want to go and help somebody know about Jesus too. That's what it means to make a disciple. And what did Jesus say? Jesus say? Listen, if you will love like that, if you will love deeply like that, if you will invest in somebody else's like that, that's when you are my disciple. Or you could be on the other side of that. You might say this summer, you know what? I need somebody to pour into me and help me become more effective in my walk at leading others to Jesus. Listen, if that's you this summer, we got a lot of people in this room that would love to spend time with you. I watch them do it every single week. Sometimes I wonder how they do what they're doing. But listen, there are people around here who want to disciple other people. We need more people who would say, you know what, I want to help somebody. I may not even know everything, but I, and, I, and you probably don't, because I don't. And there's times that when I'm discipling somebody, I have to say, they'll ask a question, I have to say, I don't know. But we need more people who will say, you know what, I want to invest in the life of somebody else this summer. One of the biggest problems in Christianity today that we have is we have whole churches where no one knows what discipleship looks like because no one's ever been discipled. They may have come to a service or come to an event. There's nothing wrong with that. But God calls us to deeper relationships than just sitting in a seat on Sunday mornings. I had a guy in my life that uh, I used to meet at Burger King for years back when we were in Tennessee. His name was Mark. That's not him. I just thought I'd put a Burger King picture up. <laughs> but uh, it's kind of like that, you know, I guess. You know, we'd sit across the table, all right, from each other. I don't know, is that Bob Costas? Is that, I don't know who that is <laughs> in the other, other picture there. But, um, but we go to Burger King, and I would meet him for a regular, I'm on the regular. I mean, we met for years uh, I think it was every Wednesday morning for he would go into school pretty early. 
And you know what? To this day, we're still lifelong friends. He had just moved because of Hurricane Katrina, right? They had lost their home, and so they moved to Tennessee. And I, I just met him after church one day. Our families went to lunch together, and after we went to lunch together, uh, we got to know each other better, and eventually we started playing some basketball together. And as we played basketball together, eventually he just asked me, he's like, you know, um, could we meet on Wednesday mornings? And I said, yeah. He was my discipleship guy. I was his. We were iron that sharpened iron. Now, uh, I've been meeting uh, more recently with uh, at Bob Evans at 7 a.m. On, uh, on Wednesday mornings. Uh, met some with Adam over here. And then also Jason Welch, who was in the last service. Been meeting with those two guys really consistently. You guys, it's just, it should be part of our lives to have people that we disciple. So that's one relationship. I'll go a little quicker with the other two. I think that's the one a lot of times that we're missing the most that we ought to be looking for more if we want to do what God's called us to do. But we also, man, we want to develop friendships. Friendships, all right? Maybe you need to build some friendships this summer. I know of no better way to do that than to jump into one of our grace groups this summer. You know, that's one of the biggest things I see come out of grace groups, all right, is that you actually have people in the church that you can call your friends. People in the church where you would say, you know what, my life, all right, um, is not just about kind of seeing everybody in a crowd or in a big room, but when I come here, I have friends here. Because during the week, we also hang out together and we center our lives around the study of God's word, around prayer, around praying for each other, meeting each other's needs, fellowship, food. We like to hang out together. This is the ultimate Acts 2 goal of small groups. We love our church more and feel like we're the church more together when we have friendships within it. God never intended us just to come to the temple for an hour and leave. He intended for us to love to be with, to serve with, and do life with those around us, developing friendships centered around the word of God, prayer, and fellowship with other believers. So maybe a question you would need to ask yourself this morning, is God calling me to join or start a new small group this summer? Last thing is leadership, all right? Maybe you need to, to, to enter into a leadership relationship, which just means this, you need to grow as a leader. Maybe God's putting within you a desire to grow as a leader this summer. At Grace Point, this is why we have, all right, we talked about the interns, but also our leadership pipeline in place. Did you know that you could be trained to be a pastor, a church planner, or just a more committed follower of Jesus right here at Grace Point if you want to learn to serve, if you want to lead more? When was the last time you allowed someone to help you develop as a leader for the kingdom of God? And don't waste your summer. Be like Andrew and don't just be glad or satisfied that God selected you. Bring someone to Jesus as well by entering into a new relationship this summer. I'll finish with uh, these verses this morning and uh, we'll look at two other disciples before we close. This is Philip and Nathaniel's story. It says, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come and follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Jesus kind of starts just upside down, all right, just turning this town upside down, all right, here Bethsaida, all right, with these guys. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the person, the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. This is hundreds of years in the making. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael, who's kind of the wise guy here, right? he's kind of like the, the discerning guy. He's like, Nazareth? Really? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip says, come and see for yourself. As they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. All right, this is a, this is a true Israelite, Jesus says. Nathaniel's like, well, how do you know about me? All right, he kind of pumps him up a little bit, you know. Jesus replied, listen, I could see you under the fig tree 
before Philip even found you. I saw where you were sitting. Nathaniel hits him right there in that moment. I was sitting under a fig tree. Wow. Right? Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are, teacher, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you sitting under the fig tree? You're going to see even greater things than this. And then he said, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the son of man, the one who is the stairway between, the connector between heaven and earth. So we look lastly this morning at the selection of Philip and Nathaniel. Again, we have a repeat situation here where Jesus chooses one guy, in this case, Philip, and then he goes and gets another guy, Nathaniel, who is close to him. All right, isn't it interesting that in the selection of the disciples and Jesus choosing his disciples, the first two guys that we see, all right, go and actually get to choose the other two guys. So two of the first four disciples, we don't actually even see Jesus choose them. They go, they, he chooses one guy that'll go get another guy. So from the very, very beginning, Jesus sets his plan in motion with the first two guys that he chooses. His plan of discipleship, his plan of one guy influencing another guy, which is why we're here today. Worked on Peter, worked on Nathaniel, still works today when we actually look like people who are willing to acknowledge God in lifestyle that he wants us to go and to bring somebody else to Jesus. And then we have this interesting exchange that we'll finish with today between Jesus and Nathaniel. Nathaniel, he's the guy, again, you're not going to pull anything over on. He's, as Jesus described him, genuine, all right, complete integrity, all right? He knows what it means to, uh, like, the history of Israel and everything that's been going on. He's going to know if Jesus is really the Messiah or not. And you know what happens when a guy lives a life like that? Man, he can, he can tell when somebody's not telling the truth. He can tell when something's off. And so here comes Nathaniel to see if Jesus really is, maybe even a little skeptical, really is who he says he is. And what does Jesus do? He tells Nathaniel, let me describe to you where you were sitting an hour ago. And this skeptical guy, very quickly as he meets Jesus, is sold that Jesus is the Messiah. Then Jesus says, you're about to see even greater things than that. Nathaniel, you think that was great? Listen, you're going to see even better things than that. Church, can I ask you one more question before we close this morning? This summer, as you move forward in your life, maybe, maybe God's already done some really incredible things in your life. Maybe you can look back and you're like, I remember when I met Jesus. I remember when I got baptized. I remember, all right, some things that he's done in my life in the past. But can I just tell you this morning, man, when you're hungry for him, when you want to see him do more in your life, can I just tell you that he wants to continue to help you do greater things than you've already seen this summer? He wants to do greater things, more things in your life. He can do more things collectively through a bunch of people that get fired up for him than he can do through one pastor or one staff. He can do things through all of us together that are greater even, he says, than when he walked on this planet. What an amazing, amazing statement that he makes to Nathaniel. See, Jesus uses people who want to see the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. He tells Nathaniel, you're about to see greater things than some fig tree, Nathaniel. Do you want to see Jesus? Do you want to see me? He said, do greater things in your life. Look at the last verse with me again that he tells Nathaniel. He says, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, all right, who is going to be the connector between heaven and earth.
He says, Nathaniel, you're about to see God move in your lifetime in a way you've never seen God move before. Nathaniel, you were wild that you could see the fig tree, that I could see the fig tree in your past. Well, guess what? I'm about to do greater things in your near future. Nathaniel, you're going to see lame men walk and blind men see. You will see me raised raised from the dead, Nathaniel. You'll see me raise other people from the dead. You will see town after town after town know who I am. You'll see miracle after miracle in village after village. Lepers are going to be healed, Nathaniel. 5,000 people are going to be fed with one lunchbox. People raised from the literal and spiritual dead, Nathaniel. You're going to see and do greater things than what we've just experienced in the first day together. Nathaniel, in the center of all of this, Jesus says, is gonna be me, because I'm God, but I'm gonna use you, Nathaniel, to turn the whole world upside down. Andrew, Peter, Philip, Nathaniel, they're all probably gathered around at this point. Are you guys ready to roll out? Because <laughs> we're about to go do greater things. Grace Point, are you ready? Do you, do you personally want to be used by God this summer? Do you want to see heaven on earth change the way people that you know, people that you spend time with, you want to see their lives live live differently because of you being in their life? And let's not just meet and greet and let's really get to know someone new this summer through discipleship, build a new friendship, grow as a leader as we work to do greater things for the kingdom of God together. We'll see later in John, God tells these same disciples, he said, listen guys, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. The question is, do you know how to use those keys? Heard a story about a pastor. For time's sake, I'm going to shorten it from the first service just a little bit. But uh, I heard a story about a pastor who was given keys when he went to his new church. And he was given four keys and then said there was a whole bunch of other keys, actually a set of about 75 keys that most time he wouldn't need. He'd probably just be able to use these four. And for the first few months that worked, he used those four keys. But then eventually he began to realize there was a lot of other doors he needed to get into that he couldn't get into. And so he began to... Uh, uh, go through those keys. But as he grabbed those keys and tried to get into the kitchen and kind of go through all the keys, oh, this one's marked kitchen. He tried to open the door, turn the latch, and the key wouldn't work. Tried to get in the youth room and he'd grab the key and he'd, he'd it says youth on it, all right? He'd, he'd try to open the door. And what had happened was uh, he went to the church secretary. He was like, you know what? Uh, these keys, they don't work. They don't get, get me anything. She's like, no, they work. She said, let me call Luis. He's our maintenance guy. Let me call Luis. Luis will help you, and uh, he'll show you how to use the keys. And Luis came over. He said, yeah, they've all, they're all mislabeled. <laughs> Ever had keys like that? I've had, I've had some keys like that. They're all mislabeled. We've changed the locks a few times. He said, the youth room key actually helps you get into the kitchen. And the kitchen key actually helps you get into the shed. <laughs> and sure enough, you know, little by little, one by one, Luis walked him around and he began to teach him the secret code to the keys. Listen, I want to tell you all something this morning. God has given you the keys to the kingdom. And the more you spend time with Jesus, not Luis, (laughs) but Jesus, the more you'll have an opportunity to help bring heaven to earth and connect people with Jesus 
in your life. So this summer, how much do you want to see God use your summer? As we get started this summer, as we think about VBS, as we think about camp, as we think about, as you think about what you're doing outside of just this church this summer, do you want to be able to use the keys that God has given you to unlock the hearts and lives of other people? My prayer today is that you would get to know the one even more who knows how to use the keys.